0: supposed to get married
1: i'm gonna just swipe left i just want somebody to share my life with so it is harder to be authentic if you can't figure out all of who you are
0: you can keep waiting for the fairy tale or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships if you've seen me on the real housewives of beverly hills then you know this ain't your mama's love advice this is dates and mates with damona hoffman hello lovers welcome to another thought-provoking episode of dates and mates You all know that I love statistics and science, and I felt like we could squeeze in a little more data here before the end of the year because, look, knowledge is power, people. And even... As big of a research and data nerd that I am, I have managed to find someone who is even more up to speed on the data and studies in dating and relationships. So he is going to put on his lab coat of love today for your listening pleasure, it's my dear friend, the award-winning international dating and relationship expert, the person who certified me as a dating coach, my dear friend, Hunt Etheridge. He will be here breaking down cool new science in the dating and relationship space so that you can hack the dating game once and for all. But I do love a juicy headline to wet our palate. Is that a word? Is it wet or wet? I don't know, but I have a juicy headline. Over 1 in 10 men are likely to cancel plans for a date due to feeling self-conscious. Then later in Dear Demona, I'll tackle this tough question. My matches say they want to commit, but then pull away after the third or fourth date. What do I do? These dating dish Metro UK says 1 in 10 men are likely to cancel date plans due to feeling self-conscious comma, research shows. Now, I'll just give you the backstory. The research was done by a company called Wild Dose that they do like um, GI products. Never used it. Sounds great. I highly recommend GI products for you. But I'm more interested in what it reveals about us that the research shows that men are more likely than women to back out of a date when they aren't feeling body confident. And according to their research, when women lacked body confidence, 42% would just change their outfit, which is why I tell you to have a dating capsule wardrobe so you don't have to go through that drama of picking a new outfit and and trying things on and throwing things on the floor. And (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, gals. But only a third... Of them would cancel social plans with friends. But it's funny how, when it comes to dating, we're like, whatever, I'll just cancel. I don't feel confident. And according to this article, men might avoid sex when feeling self conscious 25% of men, 22% of women. And so I just think this sucks because we should not be out here just canceling dates and disrespecting people's time. And I know I got an amen from you all on that, like whether you're walking or in your car. You you know that that's happened to you and you're like, mm-mm, we need to stop it. But I'm also gonna challenge you to see where you might be doing that in your own life. But first, I just wanna talk about this idea of the gut and the gut feeling that you get or feeling a nervous stomach before a date. What you might not know is that we actually have we have so many nerve endings in our stomachs that they actually do send us signals. We think all of our thinking is happening up here in our brains. It's not. If we take time to tune into full body listening, our gut is actually the thing that speaks to us the loudest. I'm writing about this in my book and I teach this in my Dating Accelerator program. We have to learn how to tune into our gut. So maybe it's like the bad fish you had last night, but maybe your uneasy tummy is telling you that it's not right for some reason or that... You need to get something right with yourself before you can show up with this state. It's usually assigned to us from our bodies, and we've spent so much time, like, just take a pill for it, or like, oh, it's just nor- normal to have butterflies and be nervous, that we have trained ourselves to ignore this sense. And I really want to have my clients get a full sensory experience when they're preparing for dates and when they're on dates so that they can gather all the information they need to about whether someone is a match for them and how to move things forward. Okay, so now onto the canceling dates part. I'm sure you would love to know, how do I stop people from canceling on me, Demona? I have a formula for this. It's really simple. First of all, I, I keep beating this drum about having a phone call or a video call before the date. That way, you're not just a name and a phone. Ideally, you're meeting pretty early, within the first week of matching. Remember that part? Within the first week of matching. So if you've just met this person online, you've only been texting, messaging back and forth, you haven't really become a full-fledged person in their mind. And I know we want we're like, but I am a full-fledged person. I want them to love me and appreciate me and support me from the beginning. But that's just the predicament that we're in based on this drastic change in the way that we now connect prior to dates. So buck the trend, friends. I've been saying this for 15 years. I'm just going to keep saying it until all of you believe me. That makes a huge difference. Do a phone call or a video call. At the very least... Do a voice memo to them so you can get a voice memo back so that you have that auditory recognition of who this person is and that you made plans with them. And then I recommend checking in either the day before or the morning of the date. And when you check in, not just like, hey, see you tonight, right? (laughs) Winky face emoji. (laughs) You know, I love the emojis, but a winky face will not get someone to show up. What you need to do is to also tether yourself emotionally to that person and what is happening that night. And you can do this by calling back something that you talked about before, something in their profile. You know, can't wait to hear stories about your puppy, Buster. Does anyone have a puppy named Buster? (laughs) That's a cute name for a dog. Or I gotta tell you about that concert that I went to or can't wait to tell you about that or can't wait to have a drink so you can unwind from your crazy workday. Whatever it is, call back, Something specific. So it's not just like 7 p.m. Yeah. Get them excited about the date and plant that seed. And doing that alone, like most of my clients who follow the system do not get ghosted and do not get stood up on dates. And it happens to everyone. I talked a couple weeks ago about how it's happened to Drew Barrymore of all people because people do get nerves and they get that icky feeling in their stomach or they get that not feeling body confident or whatever it is. And we just all, all have to do better. We have to do better and we have to demand better. And what I really hate about the the epidemic of no showing, canceling last minute is that we've all allowed it to be okay. But sometimes things happen. And in those cases, you show genuine remorse and you also then plant the seed for when you are going to see that person again. But- For same-day cancellations or the day before cancellations, let's just not. Let's not allow it. Let's not let that be the norm. Like, we can all just acquiesce and say, all right, well, this is just how it is. Like, nobody talks on the phone anymore. Nobody actually shows up. Nobody really means to have plans when they make them. Or we can say, that's not okay for me, like, as a group, as a culture. And still Stop letting it be okay and resetting the plans and letting them do it to you again and start doing some of these things that really reconnect us to one another, inspire people to show up for us and put in the effort to show up for them because ghosting and canceling, it's really the scourge of dating society. And I know it's exhausting you and I know that you're sick of it. So do better, demand better. If you need to change your outfit, it's cool. But we can all have an impact on making dating culture better. So thank you for listening. Rant over. When we come back, Hunt Etheridge, my dear friend, will be here to give us the skinny on the latest science behind dating and relationships. And trust me, friends, you will get, as my kids call it, big brain by listening to this interview with Hunt. So stick around. Okay, I got to tell you a secret. omgs.com is a website with findings from the largest ever research study into women's pleasure. And y'all know I love the research. They partnered up with Kinsey Institute researchers and asked tens of thousands of women what made their pleasure better, solo and with partners. And then they found the patterns in those discoveries, the physical techniques, the psychological techniques, and all of that wisdom is organized on omgs.com as super honest videos, animations, and how to's. One thing their research found is how easy it is for us to lose our curiosity about pleasure and intimacy. So many of us think things like, oh, I've already got techniques that work for me. I'm good. But finding out what works for other people can actually help you find new things that you didn't even know you or your partner liked. There's always more to explore. Omgs yes is for women, men, and couples. If you've heard of it, you might think it's only for women, but it's actually relevant for anyone who wants to learn more about women's pleasure. And I love that this fills in a gap. Like on Dates and Mates, we don't talk a lot about the specifics of sex advice. And I love how OMG Yes makes it really easy, like takes the shame, takes the awkwardness out of exploring pleasure and sexuality. And it really does feel empowering when you check out OMG Yes and you see these experiences and techniques detailed so openly without blushing or shame. What they're doing is long overdue. All right, if you're feeling, you know, the body brain turn on right now, you got to go to omgyes.com slash dates and mates for a special discount. That's omgyes.com slash dates and mates. Check it out. Hunt Etheridge is an award-winning international dating and relationship expert. He has over 15 years of experience. He was one of the coaches of the IDCA who certified me as a dating coach. He's the co-founder of the Matchmaking Business Academy, which will educate and mentor matchmakers and dating coaches at all levels of their career. And he's been featured in CNN, No Big Deal, The New York Times, No Big Deal, Playboy, Kind of big deal. And GQ. Please help me give big smooches to my friend Hunt Etheridge. Hello, hello. Welcome to Dates and Mates. First timer.
1: First time.
0: People don't know this, but you're actually part of the team that certified me as a dating coach. Yeah, we knew each other. Way back when. Way back when. Uh, I think what that really means, Hunt, is that you and I, um, we old school. Like, we've been in this game for a long time.
1: Oh, yeah. We've seen all the trends and all that kind of fun stuff go and come.
0: Yeah, well, we've seen the trends, but we also, we know the foundational information, Hunt. And, like, this is one thing that I love about working with you and about talking to you. Like, you do the research. You do the work. And you're so up to speed on all of the the studies in human behavior, and it's more than just like following a TikTok trend. It's you really know the science and the surveys and the data behind what is driving dating today. Well, I
1: think it's fascinating. Like for for me, dating is a mix of psychology, sociology, biology, and anthropology. Like by definition, so is everything we do because those are basically the four tenets of humanity. But to understand what our motivations are, the motivations of the person sitting across from us, or the motivations of society at large, you know, we got to focus on different aspects of this so you can kind of understand what the machinery is doing so you can use it to maximize your best bet.
0: Dude, like out of the gate, you just already drop in that knowledge like right here. So we're going to get into some really interesting studies that you have brought to my attention. But first, I just want to talk about just where we are right now like we're coming to the end of 2022 which has been the lo- I'm going to call 2022 the longest two and a half years of my life because it does yes. feel like we've been in this just epic <laughs> slide
1: just mush of time and
0: yeah connection communication and there've been a couple of moments where I've seen dating culture shift in the 15 plus years that I've been doing this the biggest disruptor was of course Tinder because of mm-hmm. the swipe app technology, right? And yep. that the swipe technology, I believe, increased the speed of communication.
1: Speed, yes.
0: Oh oh, there's more behind that. Wait. Well,
1: not say for good or bad. We didn't we didn't say that. We just said speed.
0: True. It increased the speed of communication. But then beyond that, Hunt, also the changing modes of communication, like texting becoming mm-hmm. the primary mode of communication. Mm-hmm. I think has had a much bigger impact than people are willing to give it credit for, oh, yeah, and social media, like that just mm. the whole the whole stew of that has completely changed the way that we connect and communicate today. And we'll get to the studies in a sec. but i I really I really want to unpack what people can do, like with the knowledge mm-hmm. that we have you and I have both noticed mm-hmm. a change. And before the pandemic, I was seeing, Everything that I was asked to comment on was like dating burnout. How do you overcome dating burnout? Can you do an episode on dating burnout? I'm feeling burned out. I'm on on 17 apps and like, why am I burned out? And then I feel like we went through like the first six to nine months of the pandemic. There was a complete reversal of the way people interacted with dating apps Because it was Mm -hmm. the only thing like that was our connection to the outside world. And now we're in this weird place where we're reintegrating into society. But in some ways, we're still holding on to what we had in the pandemic. I think a lot of people have taken away. Like I'd said right before the pandemic, I do like a dating predictions once a year. And I was like, video dating is going to become (laughs) the next big thing because I already saw people were burnout. out, the speed was going so fast, and people are going to need video as a screening step. You know, I'm always advocating for people to do some screening before they meet in person. I had no idea it was going to become the primary mode of communication. What are your thoughts? Like, how do we utilize all of the tools and technology that we have available to us today As a mode of reconnection, as opposed to the mode of separation, which is really, I think, what's happening right now.
1: Each new tool can be a tool for good, but it's just one more clutter too that that just gets in the way. I think, like you said, of that. Like, for instance, texting is so dry. There's, it's very difficult to get the humor across or or sarcasm across or or you know. And I don't want to sit there and just be texting back and forth about my life story to somebody, but When a whole generation has been brought up on that, and that was the only way to be in contact with people for a year or two years, it's hard to move away from it because it is an ingrained part of how we communicate with each other. But I think that we have to be conscious of how we want it to be used. And I don't think we're doing that well. I think we're using it as a substitute for real conversation, meaning real as in like, over the phone or in person and not as in addition to. So if you start to substitute it, then then you know we are human creatures. We we have we have smells, we have sights, we have sounds, all of the we react intimately to each other, which is the way that we are physiologically built. And so when we have these these barriers of communication between us, we have to work even harder to overcome them. Like, like for instance, when online dating came out knowing how to present yourself in person, that's one set of skills, knowing how to present yourself on paper. That was a completely other set of skills that people weren't necessarily familiar with. And then you had zoom dating, you know, internet dating, that's another set of skills. Hmm. So you're asking singles to master three separate sets of skills to have the best chances of success in these areas. And that's, that's challenging. That's difficult. Like when I did the I had to move to coaching on Zoom. And I I had done some coaching on Zoom previously, because of different countries and different you know locations and stuff. But you need to change how you go about it. I had to over, I over-emoted when I would speak on Zoom so that people could understand that I was connected to my emotions because we're used to seeing the subtle hints of of eye uh, muscles to understand what people's meanings are behind things. And when you were sitting it like this at a at a computer we completely lose that. So you have to add other things to it to make sure that you're still getting the same value out of the interaction that you would have in person.
0: Plus people be using filters. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I feel like we come from the same foundation in dating coaching of authenticity. Like, you know, there's, you and I have been in the game for a long time. There's a lot of coaching out there that's like, do this to get that. Be this Mm. to become that.
1: Mm -hmm. I've got the one thing that you need to say to immediately change your life.
0: Yeah. And like, oh, if you get more in your masculine, then you can attract a feminine. Or if you just dress like this. And it's, I'm not interested in just like a physical makeover someone and taking some pretty pictures and teaching you the technical aspects of setting up a profile and all that. That's one piece of it. But Mm -hmm. I'm also interested in you bringing your authentic self to the table. Mm-hmm. on your profile, in person, on Zoom. And that's something that it's hard to teach, but it pays off, right?
1: Well, and this too, your best authentic self. Because I think that that's <laughs> something that we get confused too. You hear authenticity so often. And sometimes people think oversharing or unediting is that. And that's not necessarily what it means too. Yes, um. <laughs> I can be authentic. I, I I could sit here with greasy hair and a ripped T-shirt. That would be authentic because I look like that sometimes. But it's not going to be the authentic that is going to work the best for you in that situation.
0: How do you define authentic? Then
1: I would say not just the ability to, I guess, be authentic, but to stand by your decisions, to stand by your choices. Like not looking for approval necessarily, not looking to, to what is the right answer. But this is the way I feel. This is why I feel the way I feel about it. And so be it. It's it's self-knowledge. A lot of us don't have a lot of self-knowledge because in order to have good self-knowledge, to know yourself, you have to open up all the dark doors in your head. And most of us don't want to do that. And some of us will do every possible thing to not do that. So Mm -hmm. it is harder to, you know, quote unquote, be authentic if you can't figure out all of who you are.
0: Let's go into some of the science then, because you tipped me off to a study about self-disclosure and liking. And I think there's something really interesting in like what you're saying, that line between authenticity and just like, let me just tell you everything. Let me tell you everything. And I get this a lot in my coaching programs. I imagine you do, too. Like, how do I know how much to share to be authentic and how much is too much for that person to handle or for that person to really hear me without judgment.
1: Yeah, that's, and that was an interesting thing in this study as well, too, is that for people that value openness, self-disclosure, they liked you more because they felt that they could, they trusted you because you were being truthful with them. But some people, like if you're an introvert, you may not appreciate someone oversharing with you And so then that would cause, you know, to to pull away sometimes as well too. So, and then there's also the difference between men and women and in in their tendencies of how much information they share and and how they go about doing it.
0: Tell me what am I doing?
1: (laughs) For instance, they say men may be viewed as maladjusted if they do disclose, whereas women may be viewed as maladjusted if they do not disclose.
0: What do you think is under that? Like, Okay, so like, yeah, let's let's say it in like regular language, right? So it's that men won't like women who are not sharing personal details, and women, it's the opposite. Like, if the guy is sharing, if I share too so much, much,
1: then I get feminized, or I'm too talkative, or I'm not man enough, or or whatever the different euphemisms are as well, too. And and, and it gets, and this is where. It gets very confusing for men sometimes because you hear, I want to know, talk to me, share. And then when that happens, if it's taken negatively, that guy's going to close off and never talk again, never open up again, even in future relationships. So it's tough as a guy trying to figure out what is the best way of going about it. For instance, he says, women may perceive disclosure as more diagnostic of developing closeness right? You share things so that you bond with each other and men may feel more threatened by unsolicited, intimate conversation. And, and again, this is, it depends on the audience. And if you have someone that is a sharer and you're also a sharer, then you're both going to value that. And it's going to make you like each other more because you see that that's a value system. So if I sit down and someone is a sharer, I'm going to try to emulate them and, and oh, okay, this person values sharing.
0: It's interesting when you bring up mirroring because I've talked in my coaching program about the power of mirroring, of bu- mm-hmm. building connection. Oh, yeah. But there's also interesting discovery. If you notice that there's a pattern for you and you know that you are somebody who overshares, you might be more likely to mirror the other person and need to work on, I'm not saying you, <laughs> I'm just saying a person, asking uh, for a friend. One. A one person. who is an oversharer might need to find a little bit of balance of seeing how much that person is mirroring.
1: Yep. That's, I uh, even tell my clients as well, too, it's, is that you should be mirroring them and be strong enough yourself that they can mirror off of you as well too. So there's this rapport that goes back and forth as well too. And we can mirror each other in so many different ways too. And
0: explain like the, the ways that people mirror.
1: I love mirroring because it's biological, sociological, and um and psychological. It started when we we're proto-humans and not at the top of the food chain. The only way that we had safety was in numbers. And the only way that we could get in, into the group was to be like them and to be absorbed by the group. So we developed a sociological way of showing that I am a like to you. You're grooming. Look at me. I'm grooming. You're laying in the sun. I'm laying in the sun. Look, I am like you and I should be afforded the safety of the group. And now it has become a psychological way to either consciously or unconsciously show that we have a connection with somebody. But this is what I always think is interesting. If there's a CEO and an intern in a room together, who's mirroring who?
0: I would think that the intern is mirroring. Yeah, because like power okay. flows
1: up, you know, and it's it's, yeah. it's interesting yeah. too to watch the dynamics of who's mirroring each other because usually you do not mirror someone that you look down on, and so hmm. when a couple are interacting with each other and they're both into each other, you'll see more mirroring because you kind of want to be with that person and like that person, and so. For instance, if if I start to use my hands to talk a lot when I'm telling a story and get excited, you will also start to use your hands a little bit more, get excited. If we're on the same emotional, you know, wavelength, we're vibing off of each other. If I start to swear more, you start to swear more. If I start to talk very quietly, you lower the volume of your voice as well, too. And I think it's pretty cool watching this subliminal interactions go on between two humans and and. Yeah, it creates a bond. It creates a psychological bond between people that says, look, that we're similar. Now, it's an important part of the the flirting and the, the dance.
0: I love that. So we're talking mirroring could be physical. It could be in your tone of voice. It could be in your inflection. It could be in the speed, body
1: language. Yeah. And this is, again, what I teach my clients, too, is like you can be a strong personality, not an obdurate or, or, or you know, over the top personality, but a strong personality. It allows someone to mirror off. It allows them to see the kind of way that you want the interactions to go. It's it, it's It's more convenient for everyone if a path is laid down.
0: OK, so we talked a little bit like when you're on a date or when you're in a relationship how those social interactions work. But you have a study uh, that says minimal social interactions with strangers predict greater subjective well-being. Mm-hmm. Can you say that in English? Please?
1: <laughs> Basically, it boils down to is if I smile at you, chances are, wh- what are you going to do if I smile at you?
0: I'm going to smile back, Hunt.
1: <laughs> You're going to smile back. And if I see your smile, how does that make me feel?
0: Warm and fuzzy, hopefully.
1: Warm and fuzzy. And I kind of created that. But it's, it's a feedback loop. You know, these are the people that get called weak ties. Weak ties are people outside of your inner circle. They're your bus driver, your barista, you know, some coworkers that you don't see that often. And it wasn't really thought that they were so necessary in our emotional regulation. And then they were all taken away from us. And we found out very viscerally that they did it, it was a vast part of our emotional regulation because. It allowed us to be happier when we were talking to people and interact with each other and you could see your actions bouncing back off of you. And so as you saw your own marks in society, as you were being kind to people and it was coming back to you, that felt filled you with happiness and joy. And then again, that gets taken away. So when you don't have the ability to be nice to anyone, you don't feel as good. Because just one, you don't get wow. to give that and you don't get to receive it. It's called reciprocal altruism. Just being nice to someone for the mm-hmm. sake of being nice. And these together really bind us in a society. And I think that that's where a lot of the mental health issues of the last two years too, because we just took away everything that we were biologically, sociologically, psychologically grown to have as a support structure. And so, yeah, it is... Dicey out there now, a little bit tougher out there because we don't we lost a lot and we're just just now trying to figure out how we get it back again.
0: I will go so far as to just say seeing other people because I yep. feel like we lost a lot of that, where we don't even acknowledge the presence of humans. Like I've been traveling a lot for, you know, Drew Barrymore show back and forth. And like I come across a lot of people in a lot of different settings during a stressful time of travel, mm-hmm. you know, travel during COVID. And it's amazing how unkind or just oblivious, just as a society, we are right now.
1: We're seeing the results of it. Just the schism in the in our society and just everyone just not, not okay right now.
0: And it is a feedback loop, like you said. Like, why do it? If you're listening to it right now, why do it? What am I going to get from this? If you flip the perspective, and and you even think, I am going to get those positive feelings back the more that... So, Hunt, I have to bring it all back around to the top of this conversation then. How does that relate to where we are in dating today? Because I talk about empathetic dating all the time, like seeing the other person. But can you shed a little light on how that... Everything you just talked about shows up when you're in the dating space and you're in the swipe culture and you're going on multiple dates a week or Zooms or whatever. And you as a dater are feeling the disconnect.
1: Mm -hmm. In my humble opinion, people are getting frustrated because they keep getting exactly what they're asking for, which is not what they need, which is going to start continue to reinforce bad feelings. The good thing is right now, everybody is more forgiving because we're all a little bit rough and all. I think all of us are hungering for more connection than, than we have previously had in the last two and a half years. And and I think that people are getting a little sick of online or digital. And I think that people want to reconnect with humans in the real world again, and but aren't really necessarily sure how to go about doing it. Like we have to get that impetus going again, that momentum going again. And we're going to be a little bit socially awkward as we put all of our muscles back together again. But for the most part, people are hungering for connections right now.
0: But it all starts with you. And it all starts with small choices. and desire. So you don't have to do it all. Just do one thing. I'll
1: give you a quick tip. Is instead of asking each other logical questions, like, how was your day? What are you doing this weekend? We can ask emotional questions to access our positive emotions. What's the, what was your favorite thing about this weekend? Um, what was the best thing about where you grew up? When, when was the last time your boss praised you? What was the best prank you saw in college? All of these are going to find out information about you, but in order to answer these questions, you have to think of a happy time, which makes you feel happy and starts to associate positive feelings and you together. And so every question that you can ask someone it does, it can can set the stage for more chemistry to find us in, in any sort of relationship, a human-to-human relationship, not necessarily in a dating relationship. So, you know, as I say to my clients, like, have you had wonderful and amazing things happen to you in your life? Well, yeah. Does anybody ever ask you about them? No. Like, Right. So the person oh, sitting yeah. across from you probably feels the same way. And everybody in this room probably feels that same way. And so when you can be the catalyst... To allow people to talk about these good memories and these good positive emotions, and you start creating what I call positive emotional drama, you become the type of person that draws people to you, and that's going to make it much easier to find someone that matches with you.
0: Thank you so, 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 so much for joining me, Hunt. Be sure to follow Hunt on Instagram at quest for advice Q-U-E-S-T for advice, and... Check out huntforadvice.com, H-U-N-T for advice.com for all of his fantastic dating and relationship advice or to find out about coaching opportunities with Hunt. The links will be in the show notes. In a moment, I'll be back to answer the following listener question. Am I doing something wrong? My matches say they want commitment, but then they pull away after the third or fourth date. Hmm. Stay tuned.
1: Demona Demona help me.
0: This is an Instagram message from a listener named Emily. She says, "Dear Demona, I have it stated on my dating profile that I'm looking for something more serious. I'll match with someone. They say they are looking for something more serious as well, but then by the third or fourth date, they say that I am further along in wanting commitment and that they aren't quite ready for a relationship and want to keep things casual. And when that happens, I end it. This has happened to me four times now. What are some signs I can look out for to avoid this happening again? And is there anything I can do to find someone more serious about wanting a relationship? Emily, remember the three-date rule? Do you remember? So, refresher, three-date rule is it takes three dates to really figure out if something is a match or not. Now, not counting if they have any of your deal breakers, not counting if they offend you on the date or, you know, they're a jerk or they don't take it seriously or they show up drunk or whatever it is. Not counting that. But like, if they're a decent human being and you're curious about them, you've got to give it three dates and you're doing that. So why do I say that? Because over three dates, people reveal who they truly are. Talk is cheap, honey. They can say whatever they want in their profile. Oh, I'm looking for a serious relationship. But can they hold that together for three dates, especially if you're not having sex yet. Can they keep that narrative going? And is it really authentic? And as you have seen, Emily, by the third or the fourth date, you start to see who they truly are. And that they're not really, really wanting a commitment. Like maybe they put that because that's something that maybe Demona Hoffman told them to put in the profile. <laughs> no, maybe because it's something that they think people want, but it's not really true. Or maybe, maybe they just straight up got scared away because you were straightforward, clear on your relationship goals, authentic, and your true self for those three dates. And frankly, it's too much for them. But does that mean that you should be less? No. If, if you're too much for someone, maybe they're not enough for you. So is there anything that you're doing wrong? Not really, Emily. Is there anything you can do to find someone more serious? It sounds like you're doing the thing. And this is the process of dating. And I know it can be time-consuming and it can be frustrating and we can get our heartstrings pulled and it can be exhausting but it is kind of the process. And I promise you, there are guys out there who are looking for a serious relationship. My husband being one of them, like he was mad that he didn't meet his wife in college. And he, he statistically had calculated that that was his best chance at meeting a smart, lovely woman. And it didn't happen for him. And so, you know, eventually he just, he was able to settle for me. No, I'm kidding. But there are guys like that out there. I remember actually one of my very first episodes of Dates and Mates, like long, it's long off the feed, but I had one of my friends who's a feng shui consultant and he was talking about how he said on the first date to his now wife that he was dating for marriage. And I was like, what? That is That is unheard of. That is insane. But it wasn't insane. And it signaled to her that he was different. He was at that same place of a relationship goal that she was at. And they were able to move things along much more quickly. So I would say, good for you that you figured this out in three to four dates. And also, Emily, good for you for ending it when you realize that your relationship goals are not aligned. Because a lot of times what happens is we we say, oh, but they said they wanted this. I'm seeing this. I'm hearing this. It's not in alignment with what I want, but maybe I can change it. Maybe I can give them the benefit of the doubt. And you're not doing that, which is great because it conserves then your time and your energy to direct to the next person. I can't make them say what they actually want up front in their dating app, but I can say that if you keep showing up and you keep being your authentic self, and you keep articulating your dating goal and showing in your behavior that you are dating for something serious, the wrong ones will spill the beans and show their hand to you within the first three to four dates, and the right ones will stick around and let their intentions be known. I love how we are like creating an army, a dating revolution of heart-centered authentic, clear, communicating daters. I love you guys. And I am just so grateful for you this holiday season. I'm so grateful that you've shared this show with friends, that you've left me reviews. You've let me know which episodes you love, which guests you love. You sent me your questions. You've trusted me with your heart and with your dating advice. And we will keep on going through the holiday season, top of the new year. This is primetime cuffing season, so I am here for you every single week. This is episode 442 of Dates and Mates. The phone lines, the DMs are open. We are going to kick off the new year with an all Dear Demona episode. So I am always loving your voice memos. You can leave me a voicemail at 424 246 6255. You can leave me a voice memo on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Demona Hoffman. And you know what? You can also email me a question. You just go to DemonaHoffman.com, click the button that says Contact. And that will get you into my inbox and onto love in the new year. We'll be back again next Tuesday with a very special mini-sode of Dates and Mates. I'm going to be talking all about manifestation and I'll share with you my exact process for doing a vision board so that you can build a powerful roadmap for your new love life in the new year. Until then, I wish you happy dating.